Hey everyone, welcome back to the Seek Outside podcast. My name is Dennis. Uh, Kevin is around today, and our guest is Chris Prin, uh, the host of Behind the Glass Hunting, uh, which is a podcast you can find anywhere you get can get podcasts. Um, so yeah, Chris, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Hey man, thanks for having me. Uh, it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. I was just uh, yeah saying that. Um, it's good to be on the other side of one of these. I just did one the other day with my friend Tyler. He's just launched a podcast. We actually live in the same town and he's punching out a million podcasts a week. So I'm trying to keep up with his frequency. But uh, he sort of interviewed me and it was cool to be on the other end of the the podcast interview table for a change. You're showing your vulnerability. Yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they appreciate it. They like to know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and we by no means are professionals, so I don't. Being on the other side of the table, we we might actually lean on you more to just just take over the reins here and, and run us through a, run us through a podcast because it's it's been a minute for us. We apologize to everyone. And sometimes we're just downright unprofessional. Yeah, I, I definitely I'm with you on that, Kevin. Um, I find myself trying to be professional, but then it's I'm and I can never I can never hit the mark. So whatever. Um, so should yeah, we... there's, there's no format to my podcast either. It's normally just guys talking crap, and uh, <laughs> so let it roll. Should we, should we try to stay professional for at least five minutes, or, or is there, a, or should we just like dive into it? I mean, we can. <laughs> I'll try not to swear for the first ten. Hey. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> um, so Chris, you um, you live in BC. Um, you do a lot of. Uh, a lot of hunts that we'll, we'll get into um, that make me very jealous. That's good. Uh, we'll, we'll get into kind of what that looks like. But um, you also spend a, a fair amount of time teaching kind of backpack seminars and backpack hunting, uh, backpack hunting seminars, I guess, and teaching people. And, and my first question was, you know, like, what do most people ask in those? Like, what's a what's a typical question you hear or maybe a most asked question in there? <laughs> yeah, well, um I should preface that by saying I'm definitely not a, I'm 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 definitely not a professional in any of this. Uh, the only reason I feel qualified to teach any of this stuff is because I've done a hundred wrong ways of doing everything. Um, so I try and I just lean on my mistakes and try and pass those on. It's definitely uh, there's probably better people out there to do it, but I've made a ton of mistakes and I've learned from them, and I just try and pass that on. But um, the I think the biggest thing that comes up and it's something that I've really sort of lent on and I enjoy doing now is um, sort of almost, well, the big one that comes up is people want to bring stuff that I just think is utterly absurd in on a backpack trip. Um, and you got like, you guys jump in and tell me if I'm wrong at any point, but like uh, things like axes and like big cumbersome saws or just, mallets just really weird things on backpack hunts mm. um and I, I love bringing that up in a seminar like someone will someone will bring something like that up and uh i like to give them the opportunity to explain why they need it um I, I try and get them to sell me on why they need an axe and then i'll try and sell them in front of the crowd why i think they don't need an axe i can see kevin's eyes rolling Are you an axe man kevin <laughs> no an axe is great at a car camp it Correct. does not belong that, on a backpack hunt. 
No, and like I the, can't like you can't. You, there's not a fire big enough in the back in a in a backpack hunt that you need an axe for. The the better solution is uh, the more weight conscious and the more utilitarian solution is a bushcraft knife and to just split wood on that way or 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 a big enough hunting knife. I mean, it depends. I mean, some people use very tiny hunting knives, but you can use a larger hunting knife as well that keeps a good edge and allows you to split wood and do all those utilitarian things that you would deploy an axe for that isn't needed yeah 100 that's and that's exactly that's the conversation we get into and and then i I try and use that i use that platform that same thing of like strange gear i like people to um i've done this on the podcast a few times i've sent them a gear list template um and I get them to populate the list with what they're planning on taking on the trip. And then we go through it together and they explain why they need um, a spare bike tube or why they need whatever. And we, uh, and we go through it and hash it out together. So hopefully we can learn from each other. I'm yet to, um, not trying to, uh, like I said, I don't know everything, but uh, I'm yet to find somebody to come up with something where I've really agreed. Like, I think you should bring that. Um, yeah. Mm. A lot of people carry their fears around in a backpack, especially when it gets a little chilly out, um, big time. That's a good way of looking at it. I never really thought about it like that. Um, that's what it is. And I guess it just comes with the experience of going out there and doing stuff with less and enough, enough trips where nothing come, where these things don't come out of your backpack, you realize that you don't need all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Do, you, do you think the, uh, you ever read the book Hatchet? Like the the kids book, or maybe no, maybe it's not a kids book, but it's like it's a Gary Paulson book. A kid essentially survives with a hatchet, right? And and whenever I hear someone want to take their battle axe with them, I'm always like, oh, they must have read that book, you know, because he he survives. That's pretty much the only thing he has for a while is this is this hatchet, you know, um, that he just happens to have on his person when his plane crashes a bit. Um, yeah, uh, it's it, a great tool, as Kevin said. It's a great tool and it has a time and a place. But I think on a backpack trip. Yeah, we're, in, we're living in a 2021 here. We've got equipment that can get us around these things. We don't need to carry a 20-pound axe. Like, they're yeah. just other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah Not yeah. to focus solely on the axe, but that's definitely <laughs> the, the biggest thing that comes up in these seminars is just strange things that are coming on trips. Like, you name it, people have wanted to bring it. I even have carried an axe of someone else's out of the woods that I ran into in a popular elk hunting unit that was just left out there. Oh yeah, and I was like, "Well, did they forget to take it?" I had carried it twenty five hundred feet out of a gorge, um, <laughs> but I didn't have hunting gear at that time, so it wasn't really that big of a deal. But uh, I just it, I looked at it as axe trash. Perfect. Yeah, I I feel like I've I've found my fair share of um, of like like mini crosscut saws. You know, not like a foldable. Oh yeah, like a foldable saw, like like non foldable, like an actual. I don't know, something you'd carry in your um, tree trimming equipment, you know, that people just leave hanging on a tree. So like, yeah, I got this in here. I didn't use it. I'm just going to leave it here. The uh, the best thing I found in the backcountry, and I still use it to this day, it's one of my most prized possessions now, is it was a um, a 14-inch uh, cast iron skillet, real big. Um, mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to take it because it looked like somebody had stashed it there. But then I walked another 20 feet. 20 yards and saw the amount of trash that they had also left and they'd really just like stunk up this area with litter and you know it looked like a camp they were planned to come back to but i was just so 
disgraced by the amount of mess they left out there. Um, on my way back down the mountain, I helped myself to their pan. So I have I have a story on some stuff like that. Um, first off, I had a friend who was in the process of getting a divorce who wanted to join me at hunting camp one year, uh, but he was more interested in just getting away from it all at that point. So he carried in a cast iron skillet and because <laughs> he wanted to have a good time and he carried in six bottles of wine. Oh, wow. Um, For an overnight? Wait, wait, what else did he no, have? <laughs> no, it was like a five-day backpack hunt, right? Um, but we had a good time and he cooked stuff. He made, he made um, Dutch oven kind of meals and stuff at camp. So that, that was all nice. But they're also... In that same area, I found an abandoned outfitter camp. And so they had propane tanks, sleeping bags stashed. Um, they had cast iron cookware stashed as well. And I went through the process of trying to um, get that removed because some bears had gotten into some of it and tore it up and all this that I'd found in that stash. But it was incredibly hard to get it cleaned up because they still had the permit. The permit had been oh. conveyed when someone else bought the property, this ranch, that had the licensing. So they still had a permit for being out there. You had to contact the people who lived in several states away that I, you know, tried to find because technically they, they were allowed to stash that gear there per their permit. Yeah. for their hunting camp, hmm. but they weren't using it anymore. So it had been defunct out there for maybe seven or eight years. Oh, it wow. was just forest trash. And what? so what, what was the end result? How did that get resolved? <clears throat> um, I decided that it was too much of a hassle to go through all of that. And then one time when I was scouting, I carried back down some cast iron and some other stuff, and yeah. I carried parts of it out. And there's probably a fair amount of stuff up there. I mean, it really would take a couple horses to probably load up and get all of it out of there. Um, but that, that's a shame. That's definitely one of those ask for forgiveness, not permission situations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's my camp? Well, you left it, we took it. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's been 19 years that it's been up there now, you know, without being used. So, yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that stuff, I mean, I've stumbled on a bunch of yeah, old outfitter camps that have just been destroyed by bears and weather and whatnot. And, it's a shame, really, but... I stumbled um, on an old grow operation one time. Oh, yeah, because you guys have a lot of that stuff going on down there in the States, don't you? Well, it's not as much <laughs> now because a lot of it's legal, right? But it was yeah. I was turkey hunting with my son, and he was maybe 12 or 13. Yeah. And we were in these woods and stuff, and there was some trash, and we were just sitting there listening. And I was like, huh, miracle Grow, potting plants, an old tarp. What the heck are all these things for? And I was like, oh, duh, you know. Holy smokes! Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I guess the good thing is that it was shut down by the time you found it. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I don't think they'd appreciate you stumbling in. I think I was listening to another podcast from the states, and they were talking about all these illegal growers out in the middle of nowhere and pretty mm -hmm. sketchy characters kicking around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was just I, saying before we got online to, to you there, Kevin, yeah, we, I live pretty close to the U.S. border, um, and you, you often see some strange activity. Um, and there's really well-beaten trails that go straight to the border, 
in in places and it's very uh i don't really like spending too much time down there by myself <laughs> so i know that there used to be drug smuggling that came over the canadian border yeah is it for that or i mean it can't be canadians sneaking in for our lack of health care <laughs> I, I i don't know what's going on to be fair um I, there's just all i know all i can tell you is from a hunter's perspective there's a lot of traffic in an area that doesn't warrant traffic mm. yeah mm. Like, I mean, trails that go essentially nowhere obviously going somewhere. They're... Well, down by the southern border, yeah, um, there's some areas that I hunt in southern Arizona, and you'll find all these backpacks that have been abandoned and stuff there from the coyotes that are bringing drugs across yeah, as really. well. And one night, me and this friend of mine, Jarrett, who owns Bone Broadheads, we were camped several miles for anyone. And we were archery hunting for cow's deer. Um, and he said he normally carried a handgun, you know, just in case he ran across any illegals or anything. But apparently they don't really want to run into people very much. But it was in the middle of the night, about 2 in the morning, we were in the tent. And all of a sudden we heard all these gunshots that sounded very AK style. Oh, wow. Uh, just up the hill from us. And... <laughs> Of course, we're tough dudes. We're tough. We're not vulnerable. We're not insecure. Not vulnerable at all. You know, we're not vulnerable and insecure at all. We're we're tough. So we can't tell each other about our fears. You know, like if we were two girls, we'd say, "Did you hear that?" You know, I'm scared. What do you want to do? These people could kill us. You know, but us, we're like, I'm sleeping. I'll even <laughs> fake. I'll even fake snore to show Derek. How cool are you? Know? I can sleep through yeah. an AK-47 attack. Yeah, I can't yeah. even hear the gunshots going off. It's right, funny. right, right. Um, but, I mean, in the back of my mind, I was like, wow, we're kind of highly desirable back here. I mean, if someone came across, they'd get a nice tent, a vehicle, all sorts of stuff, good coolers. You could live for a while with this shit. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> all I have is a recurve bow. That, yeah. That's not really going to do battle i mean as someone's shooting a semi-auto and i'm trying to fire off arrows yeah so the strategy i had in the back of my mind was if someone stumbled on our tent there was a moonlit night very very bright full moon night so you could kind of see um that i was going to um kick the pole down and just try to create a mess um so that was the strategy when we woke up in the morning then we kind of decided like what did you think about last night? Oh, yeah, that didn't seem that didn't seem to be the best deal. And we decided we decided to move camp out to where there were more people and just go day hunt in that area. Probably not a bad idea. Yeah. So yeah, man, you, <laughs> that's insane. I got a good story about faking to sleep. It's not a good one. Um, I still owe the guy an apology. To be fair, um, I wrote an article on this one a couple of years ago. Uh, I was solo hunting uh some mule deer uh and i was lucky enough to harvest one it was in the middle of a hideous storm there was just rain coming in sideways and i'm hot and sweaty i've got all the vents open on my rain gear hood down everything's just filling up with water absolutely everything i get this buck down and um start taking the buck back to it's getting late so i start taking the buck back to where i'm going to camp uh, I would have really liked to just go home that night, but I'd called some friends and I said, hey, if you guys are still up for hunting this weekend, there's 
you know, that there's, there's a bit of action up here. You guys should come up and check it out. I mean, the buck that I shot, his buddy watched me butcher him for about half an hour, just standing on the next ridge looking at me. So I thought there's a good chance there'll still be bucks here in the morning. So I get this buck back to camp. I'm soaking wet. It's cold. It's wet. Uh, I hang it up in a tree. Not far, from, not far from camp at all. I just throw it up in a tree. I'm, I, I need to get warm. I'm legitimately worried like this could be bad. I can't get a fire going. So I jump into my tent at like four o'clock at night in the afternoon and just lay in my uh, lay in the sleeping bag trying to get the body heat back up. Um, all my clothes are in there. Like everything's in there. My two buddies come up in the middle of the night. They, I think they get up there about 10 or 11 o'clock. I wake up for a moment, chat to them. I tell them I'm not getting out of the tent. I'm still pretty cold. I'm trying to warm up. They said, okay, cool. And he set, the one fella sets up his, uh, his tarp and bivy sack right next to me, like right, right next to me. And uh, he, he asked me, what did he say? He goes, where, where, where's the bear? Like, where's your bear cash tree? And I'm like, bear crash tree? Like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, my food's in my tent with me. Like, not that, not that I would normally <laughs> do that, but I just said, hey, my food's in my tent with you, man. Like, I'm more worried about freezing to death than a bear right now. So, so you know, you do you. You're an adult. <laughs> and he wasn't, he wasn't too happy with that response. Uh, and then about 3 a.m. in the morning, I just wake up and he's not vulnerable at all, this guy. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's screaming, legit screaming. And I'm like, holy, this isn't good. And he screams again. I'm like, no, no, it's just a dream. And I close my eyes and I just pretend I'm asleep. Just pretend I'm asleep. And he keeps screaming. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what's going on. And he's screaming. It's got me. It's, it's got me. <laughs> so I'm yelling. I'm yelling. I'm like, oh man, what's happening? What's happening? And uh, yeah, I, I, like, by the time I get out of the tent, um, we just hear the, the crashing running away. But he is, he's fully zipped into his bivy sack, like head in and all. But he's now like three feet from where he was originally. Like a, a bear had come under his tarp and sort of scooped his feet, not not claws or bite or anything, but sort of scooped his feet and dragged him out from underneath the bivy sack. And yeah, he wasn't he wasn't too excited. We haven't hunted together since. Um, I feel pretty bad about that, but I'm, I'm just laying there hoping I was hoping it was a bad dream. Wait, so, so was it a uh, was it a grizzly bear? Like no, like... it was a black bear. Yeah, um, okay. I mean, like I, we didn't, I didn't get a chance to see the bear at close detail. We just he, heard it crashing off, and he really was like that joke that you see with people in a sleeping bag, and that yeah, it's like a taco thing. for a bear. Yeah, yeah I was calling it human burritos for a little yeah. while. I think I named the article that, but then changed it. <laughs> you call yeah, it, it was an, pretty an funny, and that was the same thing, Kevin. Like in the middle of the night, we we're all just kind of like holy shit like that was insane and then it wasn't it was the next morning we were just like laughing in fear like that was pretty intense like <laughs> <laughs> no vulnerability though tough no, tough, no. Man. tough 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 yep yeah. that's so crazy we're men we're men <laughs> men aren't vulnerable <laughs> oh shit um let's talk about time chris that that um a recent recent trip you did that uh you, you were tougher than nails when you when you fell and kind of did you dislocate your your shoulder yeah then, man that was and then continue a, hunting that was a bit of a doozy um that was just this year's uh goat hunt september mm. we got into a really gnarly area like super remote um 
long, like really long days drive from home, uh, a boat journey, and then a day's hike into a into a good goat hunting area. Uh, and we, I don't know, horseshoes up our butt. I guess we got lucky and we had a double header on opening day. Two nice billies. And uh, I don't know if you, you go, I don't know if you guys have done much mountain goat hunting, but they live in some pretty pretty hectic terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, but they, this time they were. And I wanted to do a a full body mount with the goat, just because it was a it was a beauty goat, and I wanted to. I've got I don't even have any room for this thing, but I just really wanted to do it. <laughs> so I'm packing. So between Nick, um, Fargon Media, and I. We had over a hundred pounds of goat with the the hide and the meat and the head and blah blah blah. So we're trying to get off this mountain and um, there was this. We just hit this one and it was kind of nice because we we're in shale and scree, so you could almost just push your foot into it and it would decelerate each step down, mm-hmm. which was really nice. Plunge step. Yeah, plunge step. That's a, yeah. And um, then I guess we just hit this one and I was really relying on that. Like th- that was saving grace to get us down the mountain and then we hit a one section and i couldn't tell from above but it wasn't deep scree it was just these pebble marbles on really compact ground underneath and i hit that and it was like ball bearings and i went for a spill um immediately know that something's not right something hurts uh i managed to sort of dig my heels in and i think i had my foot wedged against it's a little little shrub or something that was coming up and I put my hand upon my shoulder and my shoulder's not there. I can, I'm touching my shoulder strap with my backpack, but my, the, 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 the bone at the top of my shoulder's not there. It's significantly lower. So I'm yelling back to Nick who's behind me and he's behind me filming, a, uh, filming an Instagram story or something, having fun. And I'm yelling, I'm, yelling, I'm like, hey, dude, I'm really hurt. And uh, I, I worked out pretty quick. The shoulder was dislocated. I lent... Uh, I, Nick's a, Nick's a hockey guy, typical Canadian hockey guy. And I know where he had dislocated his shoulder in the past. And I thought, all right, well, Nick's my saving grace here. He's going to have to pop this shoulder back in because I've got no, no idea how to do it. And um, as tough as I think I am, I wasn't tough in that moment. I had the sweaty palms. I'm getting sweaty palms just thinking about that moment, actually. I was just sort of, I got this whole goat on my back. I'm dazed from anywhere. And I'm like, I'm reaching for the inreach. I was kind of thinking, I'm, like, I'm not going to die here, but I don't think I'm going to be able to hike out. Um, and I don't know if anybody's ever done that sort of injury it was like the hand lost strength and I was sort of numb in that arm I'm yelling back to Nick and he uh, he's now hustling down because he could see I'm hurt and just before I was trying to take my backpack off so I got my good arm out of the backpack and then I was twisting my, my bad arm out and I sort of had it behind my I had my hand behind my back and I was sort of sliding the shoulder strap off and I slipped again and uh, slid and did a bit of a twist and a turn, and I just heard this noise, and it sounded like um, it sounded like prying out like a rusty nail, you know, like that that kind of squeak <laughs> sound that you get from pulling out a rusty like an old three-inch nail or something. And uh, almighty pain in the shoulder, but that second fall pushed it back in. Um, and so by the time Nick got to me, all the all the work was done. But yeah, I was still uh, still super numb and still in a ton of pain in that arm. Uh, and there was like, a, I want to, I want to say that I was like super tough, but there was really nothing else I could have done. I had to sort of muscle up and 
put the backpack on and try and get at least get down the mountain to where I could meet up with uh, our other hunting partner and we could come up with a plan from there. So that's what we did. I just bit the bullet and we spent the next two hours pushing down through. We got off the rocks. I got like as soon as that happened, I wanted to get out of the rocks and we wanted to get back into the trees where at least if I fell, I'd hit something. And yeah, it took us a few hours. We got back in the dark and by the time I got there, I guess the whole thing had just sort of the adrenaline had worn off and it had just gone a little bit numb. Uh, and then that night we went to bed and I was sort of expressing to the boys that I didn't know if I should continue, but then they were sort of expressing, well, actually Nick wasn't Garrett, the other, my other hunting partner. He's like, Chris, I think in the morning, you know, let's not make any decisions. Wait till morning before we um, pull the pin on this hunt. But I was pretty dead set. I kind of thought, yeah, I, I, I think I need to go to the hospital or something and get this fixed. But uh, lo and behold, as Garrett predicted, come morning time, uh, I was up for it, <laughs> and I wanted I wanted to keep hunting. So we had we had we had mule deer tags, and okay, coming coming through all that timber with the busted shoulder, there was I've never seen so much deer sign. So as a hunter, I was definitely motivated to keep hunting. So we um we we left the goat there, and we dropped our we dropped a bunch of equipment and threw the backpacks on and went and did another four days in another basin before turning around and coming back. No deer were harmed on the trip, but <laughs> I certainly was. <laughs> um, and, and so that gets, that gets to another point, that story you, you asked us if we've ever done any goat hunting. Um, there's, you know, and, and Kevin, you can maybe shed some light on this too. To, to hunt a goat in Colorado is probably well, I don't know, could be like a 20 year journey to try to draw a tag in Colorado. Um, maybe less if you, if you get really lucky. Um, Angie it, really likes goats and she's forbid me from, uh, killing oh, a goat. It. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can hunt anything else. Um, so that's kind of my pact I made with her. So you, yeah, don't, so. you don't even put in then Kevin or I don't even put in for the goat. Oh, man, that's a shame. I do put in for sheep. Um, yeah. I do, I do believe you guys have a lot more sheep opportunity, um, lots more sheep opportunity than yeah. we do down here in the, in the lower 48. Oh, 100%. Like we can hunt, well, the go goats and sheep, I can hunt over the counter goat or sheep every year. Mm -hmm. um, and, so, and then the limited entry draws on top can, of that. You can hunt bighorns, right? Yep. Can, mm -hmm. can you hunt stone every year as well? Yep. Wow. That's I know awesome. it's a lot. It's so crazy. Awesome. So, so let's step me. back. Let's step back. So you're saying that you can, you, you can either, you can hunt goat or sheep. Can you hunt them both in the same year? Oh, absolutely. So you can, you could, you could draw or just get an over the counter sheep tag and over the counter goat tag. But stones, you have to go very far north for, right? Yeah. So stones, you've got to travel, um, Northern BC. Um, yep. we're actually doing that this year. I've never hunted stones before. Um, a lot of, and the, I mean, there's a ton of stone sheep in BC and there's tons of opportunity and there's a million ways to do the hunt. Um, like from, you can literally hike in off the highway, you can fly in, you can jet boat in, you can get horse packed in. I mean, there's a million ways to do it. Do you, We're gonna, do you know Sean Woodrich? Uh, no, I think he used to have a Canadian TV show. Um, okay. he was in BC. I think he lives in maybe Kelowna. Okay. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the name of the TV show. I hunted Audad, which is a poor man's um, sheep hunt that you can easily do in the United States. Yeah. They're, they're a cool animal. Um, I've seen those. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're super cool. Um, he said if you stuck them in BC, they'd be a $40,000 hunt. But yeah. the, in Texas, they're basically um, a varmint. Wow. So, yeah. Um, the, 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 I mean, the price thing does really spin me out. Like I had not, I won a limited entry hunt in 2017 for a bighorn ram. This was a, this is my first ever sheep hunt. This was a limited hunt, limited entry hunt. And I just started doing some, and like the, the ticket to go into the, the draw is $6 and 50 cents, which I won. And then to buy the tag is $60. So I'm in for six, I'm, like, I'm in for under $70 to go do this hunt. And then I just did some Googling around the guide outfitter in the area and I think he was charging like fifty US on that wow. hunt. Yeah. Fifty thousand US to do that hunt. Yeah. And like and it's insane. Were, um were you successful on that hunt? Oh man, this was my world's biggest heartbreak. Um I shot a nice ram, flipped it upside down, watched all four legs up in the air, and then um made my biggest mistake. I uh, did an early celebration with my hunting partner. And in that time, that sheep got up and vanished into the abyss. And uh, we spent days looking for it. And we came out of the mountains and came back in with a dog and kept looking, nothing. And it was, and so that tag that I had was for seven days. It was a seven day opening. Mm. Um, and like this, it, it, it killed me, not, not knowing what happened to this ram. And I, I continued to go back and back and I actually saw the ram alive, healthy in October. So about a month and a half later, I found that ram. Hmm. Um, and he looked just fine. So I'm not sure what happened there, but he, uh, unless he fell over from fright, um, I'm sure he got a, I'm sure he got a bit of a bite that day. He ducked. He yeah. just ducked. He's like, Duck. I'll play dead. I'll play was, dead. And yeah. he won't do a follow up. Yeah, He's like, I'm not like afraid. You're... I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. I'll just play dead. <laughs> That's you guys laying in the tent with the AK-47s. I'm just going to play dead and kick the tent over. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, so um, it was crazy. And like, yeah, just that really like put things in perspective for me that the opportunity we have in BC um, just with like populations and even the financial ease of the whole thing, it's, we're, we're spoiled. Hmm. And so like the stone sheep hump you're going to do this year, um, that's much further north. So that's a, that's a bigger commitment and just logistics, correct for you? Yeah. Um, I'm taking a bit of a back seat on the organization of all this. Um, not that I don't want to, I just, uh, the other, one of the, one of my hunting partners, Devin, he's already just way ahead of the game. He's, um, done all the legwork. So I'm just letting him run with it. But yeah, it's a, I think it's going to be a close to a two day drive. Um, and then we're jumping on a float plane and flying, I'm not sure exactly how far, into a little pokey lake and we get picked up two weeks later. No. Or 10 days later or something. You you can't do stuff like hunt Northwest Territories though, can you? No, no. Is that, that'd be the same as you guys coming up here. I'd need to be... You need to well, be guided. I, um, yeah, guided or... I'm not sure about Northwest Territories exactly, but um, like in bc we can do like a permit to a company so if you're a bc resident kevin 
I could um, apply for a permit and I could take you goat hunting or I could take you sheep hunting or mule deer hunting, whatever. So, But that's for, <clears throat> that's for family and um, Canadian residents. So I'm sure Northwest Territories probably has something similar. I know Alberta mm. does. But you'd have to find kind of a buddy or yeah. someone that would help you out. Yeah, so it's pretty common. Um, you see it a lot. Um, you'll you'll essentially trade hunts with a, a guy. So um, we had some guys out from Ontario a year ago, two years ago, hunt some mule deer, and we've been talking about getting them to host us to hunt some turkeys or something back there, just to you know trade hunts. But you know, guys trade elk and elk for goat or things like that. Hmm. Uh, you sponsor your buddy and you go back and forth. Tyler, who I mentioned. Um, who had me on his podcast the other week. He does a lot of that with uh, a fella in Alberta. They go and hunt those uh, those big big mule deer they've got out there. And I think oh, this yeah, they... year they're all coming to BC. The Alberta guys are coming to BC to hunt goats with a recurve. Mm. Nice. Yeah, those will be banging their head against the wall, I imagine. That's no, <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty good hunters. They'll actually, put, I, I've got, I, I believe they'll pull it off. So like, it's... um. Yeah, like, I mean, it's pretty clear that BC is the land of milk and honey, Dennis. But what have you guys, like, what's it look like for you guys? Like, I mean, I can, here in BC, I can essentially hunt anything I want um, at any time I want, which, not any time, you know, within seasons, but it, it's nothing for, like, I could go and do an over-the-counter goat tag, a goat hunt. I could go and throw my, throw some time in and try and take take out a uh, over-the-counter bighorn. Um I get a, yeah. I get a get a handful of deer tags, um, an elk tag, bear tag, two bear tags a year. Um, yeah. So do you get uh, do you get an elk tag as well? You can get all of all that stuff. All for, yeah, yeah. And that's every year, just over every the counter. Season. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're definitely living in the land of milk and honey. There's there's not a whole. I can get an over the counter. Um, so I, you know, I live in Colorado. Colorado resident. Um, I can get it over the counter elk tag in Colorado. Um, if I decide we have like a and B license. So there's an opportunity there for me to hunt, um, a bull maybe, uh, one season and then hunt a cow in another season. So oh, I yeah. could, so, could potentially so that's get... all logged, I guess, like, like you have to notch a tag for a bull and then the next year they, 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 they only sell you a cow tag or no. So it would it would be in the same season. So if I got a, um, if I got an A tag, um, I could then get a B tag as well. And most B tags are cow tags. So I could get, oh. I could get two. There's a way to play the game where you, you get two elk tags a year. Um, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and most deer tags are draw tags. Um, some of them are easier than others, obviously. So you could potentially hunt deer, um, every year in Colorado as well. Um, but that's kind of where the, as far as big game goes, you know, the, the opportunities, I get, you could hunt whitetail deer potentially on, on the east side of the state as well. Um, mm -hmm. But that, that's it, you know, a uh, sheep and a goat, uh, sheep tag, you know, if we, we have two species. We have the desert bighorns and the Rocky Mountain bighorns. A desert bighorn would be like a never tag, you know, um, yeah. you, it's essentially like winning the Powerball. You just throw yeah. your name in a hat every year. Um, and then the, the Rocky Mountain stuff um, is very difficult as well. Again, you, you might do it once in your life. You might draw that tag, um, accumulating all the points and all the, the bonus points or the weighted points. 
um, on top of that. And, and same thing with goat, you know, you might, man, if you drew two of those tags in your lifetime, you'd be very, very lucky, um, in there. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, and so you saying that you can get, you know, over the, multiple sheep tags or, or goat tags in one year it just seems insane well not not yeah. multiple tags so you're only okay. allowed to, so you only be allowed one goat tag in a year one sheep tag in a year one elk tag in a year okay yeah there is um definitely restrictions but i mean yeah. you can do whatever you can do it every year which is sweet um and uh I, you know it's a bit like just to rub insult <laughs> to injury here the this fly-in sheep hunt that we're gonna do i was always sort of I thought that that was going to even that was going to be too expensive for me, you know, the average Joe, working class man, to do. But the the cost isn't, you know, if you get a couple of guys up there, even I mean, even two guys, the cost is still pretty manageable for what you're doing. But you're um, a podcast star. Yeah, I'm a podcast <laughs> star. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> podcasting pays really well. <laughs> Everybody go out and start a podcast and. <laughs> Quit your day job. Fund. <laughs> You'll be in the Bahamas in no time with your own island. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let everyone believe that. <laughs> um, yeah, so so essentially for that hunt, you just have to buy, kind of charter the plane, right? That's kind of like the biggest expense would be like the float plane. The plane. The plane. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then like a, an overlooked expense, I guess, is the the travel time. I mean, you've got if you've got two days of travel, like you've got a boatload of fuel possibly an accommodation and I don't know I'm like I'm I'm the weak of the mind and I can't walk into a gas station without walking out with 15 Snickers and a box of Smarties so <laughs> you know that adds up like you know it's not hard to spend 200 bucks on a road trip on junk food so yeah but yeah the the, the, the plane's the biggest one and then but something I'm like rolling around the back of my head is um the like if you could eliminate that those travel days by picking up a domestic flight from where I live to the next biggest city, but then you know you might need to rent a vehicle. So there's things to weigh out. But, but, but just a game of numbers, I guess. And then your vehicle rental is for the duration of the hunt, not exactly for the yeah, days a, yeah. that you need. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Maybe they got Uber up there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You take a two-day Uber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe you should good. maybe that's your next you could host a podcast while driving the two-day uber for folks you could be ubering people around yeah that'd be pretty good <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm stoked on that hunt i'm gonna take the i'm gonna take the camera on that one and um i think uh like i'm hunting with my buddy Devin and him and i've done a lot of hunting together um so we'll, we'll share rifle we'll share tent and and if whoever else goes, you know, we'll, we'll all, um, it'll all be a bit of a shared, you know, probably if there's four guys, we'll have two rifles and two shelters sort of thing, try and cut the weight down and yeah, I'm going to bring the camera, which will put my weight back up to where it normally would be. And how are you going to finish yeah, we're gonna that have meal? A blast. What's that? Sorry. Like, Hey, you're going to finish that meal. Yeah. We're sharing, <laughs> we're sharing here. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> oh, sweet. You brought in, did you bring, you brought in scotch. <laughs> awesome yeah <laughs> the uh the first time we had a hunt filmed was our buddy my buddy nick there from fargon media he came out in this hunt and um it was a goat hunt first goat hunt we'd all been on and it was probably like day four or five and he uh he came out of his tent and he goes hey do you guys want a drink 
and he had a, he had a bottle of whiskey, but it was half gone. And we're thinking, <laughs> you didn't bring in half a bottle. So you've been in your tent every night. You drank half a bottle of whiskey before you called anybody to have some. And we, we're not letting him forget that. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't want to share until you had shared experiences or something. You know? Yeah, I guess he was feeling us out. It was just funny. It was just really, and he's, he's like a really good, really good kid. No, he was no, a little non-committal to the relationship. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what it was. It took him yeah, four or five days to step up and decide yeah. he liked us. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't sure what would happen if you, if you guys loosened up a little. You know? <laughs> yeah. I guess he realized it was probably his first time experiencing um, glassing banter. And he realized that the things we were saying during glassing banter, no matter how much whiskey we had, it would never get weirder than that. So <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, when so you... what other things do people pack? in their backpack out of insecurity. Oh, the best, I think one of the, one of the best ones I saw, this was a young kid. Like I don't hold him like too accountable to this too, but uh, this was working with my, with my friend um, Dylan at Eat Wild. So he, he, he takes, he gets me to come out with him on these backpack trips and yeah, teach people about backpack hunting actually in the field, which is pretty sweet. Um, this young kid showed up and he never complained about it once. He never said his backpack was too heavy. He never said anything. But it's just an overnight trip, two days into some really beautiful country. And he showed up with um, an iPad, full headphones, uh, like a, you know, like just like a little stuff sack full of cheese. I don't know why he had so much cheese. Mm. And then he had about 10 cans of uh, soup, like all canned soup. And I thought that was a, uh, he never complained about the weight, but he also never ate any of the food. I think he ate the cheese. I thought that was pretty good. We're, we're sitting there on this glassy knob and there's a bit of a bit of a lesson plan about glassing going on. And this kid just like pulls out his iPad and headphones, lays back and watches a movie while we're all talking and learning about the outdoors. I thought that was pretty interesting. So I, I don't, um, I feel like anybody who if it's a first time, second time, there's, there's some grace to be given for any items, yep. you know, such as canned soup and iPads and, and things like that. But, um, was he there to learn kind of the hunting side of, of this backpack piece as well? You know, like, or, yeah, or was I mean, it, that's, that's the premise of the course is, um, it's called a backpack yeah. hunting workshop. Like, like the premise of the course is to learn about backpacking number one, and then how to integrate backpacking with hunting and with hunting. Sure. Yeah, so it talks about, you know, like route finding and navigation in the mountains, finding water, where to set up camp, glassing, you know, see, what you're going to do see. when there's an animal. Yeah, yeah, so you're teaching this lesson on glassing and he's watching a movie. A movie and carrying all this canned food. He's watching like Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> Gets out the Jiffy Pop popcorn, builds a little fire. I, you know, I, I always laugh at people when they pull that out. Uh, like when I see him like packing it and stuff, I've never actually had it in the mountain, but I think it'd be pretty good. Like it would be a nice morale booster and it probably weighs nothing. The Jiffy Pub? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm going to do um, on one of these, next time I got all the guys on the, when, or, and we're going on one hunt, I'm going to pack in some bacon and eggs. I'm not going to tell them, but I, I could just imagine like one morning waking up and you can smell bacon eggs from your tent. I think well, you that know would what, be like a real you, head, head mess for them. You know what to do? Um, 
There's this Ova Ease, which is a very good dehydrated egg. You can buy mm -hmm. it on Amazon. Um, OVA Ease, right? I, bu I buy big containers, right? Yeah. Um, and then you can get the pre-cooked bacon. Yeah. So at hunting camp last year, I took in Ova Ease, quite a bit of it, um, with like 10 slices of pre-cooked bacon and like yeah. five tortillas and a little bit of cheese and just a thing of foil. And when I got to camp, I quickly made the eggs, made myself like five big old breakfast burritos, just wrapped them in the foil. In the morning, I would just throw them on the wood stove as we were heating it oh, up. Nice. Real, you know, put it in my jacket and then eat it sometime in the morning while I was out hunting. Yeah, that's the move. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. I'm getting I, older. I, I have earned a few luxuries. I think I can do that. Yeah, I think I calculated <laughs> out and it was the total weight of it was maybe like six ounces more than if I had brought typical mountain house backpacking breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it just wasn't a whole lot of extra weight for yeah. doing it. Yeah. Those, um, gonna... I mean, you guys probably have got a, a thousand tips and tricks for cooking on those wood stoves, but um, they like my mind's running a million miles now trying to think of all the cool things I can do on it. I saw you guys posted a picture a while ago about like bacon, some bread or some muffins or something underneath it. You can do, I don't know who did that, but I have, I, I spent a camp, a winter camp in Montana with Ed Tinich, Wes from Washington and Dan Adair. We did this February winter camp with a 12 man giant tent. We took in some alcohol um, on a poke sled, and then we all snuck in a <laughs> bottle of whiskey, a surprise bottle that we were going to spring on the group. You know, wait, um, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, what was actually in the sled, and what was the surprise? Like, how much? <laughs> there was there was probably like a case of beer in the sled. Okay. Um, okay. okay. And then some camp gear, and not everyone had a sled. I think I just went in with a backpack. Right and snowshoes. I think I used Elte Hawk skis, like the ski snowshoes. And we went in maybe five miles or something, set up the 12 man. We had food in there. We had elk meat and some other stuff. Um, but yeah, we made cinnamon rolls on the stove with basically like a light Dutch oven setup. It was basically like a, a pan with a, with a top, um, pull some coils up, some coals out of the stove, just very carefully. Um, maybe with two sticks or something, put those on top, and then put the pan on the stove, then you have the coals on top. Creates like a light, super light Dutch oven that you can make cinnamon rolls, things like that on, if you really wanted to. Of course, um, we had all that whiskey which we needed to finish, which <laughs> made for quite an adventure because we got back there and was like, look guys, I brought this special bottle of whiskey for you. Oh, so, do I, so did I. So did I. And next thing, next thing you know, we're in the middle of Montana. If if a bear would have came across, he probably would have got drunk eating one of us. You know. <laughs> um, I uh, got a similar story to that one, Kevin. Uh, my buddy Eric and I took a took a group of bankers um, up into the mountains just for a bit of a a work retreat for them, a bit of a team building exercise, and we took them up there and we did similar activities to like the hunting courses. We just just took them up there, showed them some lakes, taught them a little bit about topography and things like that. Um, and the trip was, it was an all-inclusive trip. So uh, Eric and I packed in a bottle of whiskey and two bottles. Like we asked them what they liked to drink and they wanted whiskey and wine. So we bring whiskey and wine. I think we had a bottle, 
bottle of whiskey and then two bottles of wine for one it was a one night trip <laughs> and we get up there and then uh yeah every person on the trip surprise bottle of whiskey and then <laughs> next thing like eric and i are in the mountains and like I've, I've i've since given up the booze so i'm not drinking at all and i don't think eric i think eric might have had one or two drinks but um these guys just got absolutely piled, like completely piled. Are they like some of them couldn't even stand up, and and we're in this alpine base, and there's you know, there's nice soft grass, but there's also rocks everywhere and tripping hazards, and there's a creek running through, and I'm just sitting there as sober as a judge at like ten or eleven o'clock at night, looking at Eric going, if one of these guys gets hurt, we're going straight to court. Like we need them in bed now. Like they got they need to go to bed. So we, I, th- I, don't, I don't know if we shut it down or if they started shutting it down, but <laughs> two, like two o'clock in the morning, same thing. Like I'm in my tent and then I hear somebody screaming and I try and pretend they're asleep. And then I realize that if he gets hurt, I'm probably on the hook. So then Eric and I are immediately like, okay, we need to see what's going on. I think Eric went and had a look, but one of the guys was so, so spastic drunk. He, he was out of his tent and he was now in the creek. Like he was in the creek and soaking wet they couldn't get him back in his tent the guy that was helping him was just as spastic drunk oh it was just a it was a disaster and then uh, I, had, I, had, I was cleaning out all their gear the next morning there's a soaking wet sleeping bag one of the tents is full of water they like <laughs> this guy just i don't know but yeah surprise bottles of whiskey it surprised everybody that's for sure next time we're doing we're doing gear shakedowns yep after <laughs> after that trip i had a rule that everyone needed to declare alcohol pre-trip and yeah. stuff like that you know 100 <laughs> percent. This, this goes back to what's essential and what's not essential to bring into your backpack right like, yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know i mean i've since worked i've since yeah like stopped taking alcohol i'm not drinking at all but i've stopped taking alcohol into the bush so i'm uh that's definitely not essential for me <laughs> um so uh bc you know big uh i don't know what the total population of of bc is but um do you do you typically like are there a lot of hunters you know like you said you're close to the border i think you're pretty close to vancouver as well yeah um are there do you run into a lot of hunters around and stuff yeah like surprisingly the hunting community especially down here in it's called you know this is the the lower mainland they call it but southern bc um there is a lot of hunters. There's a lot of non-hunters too. But I think the number that they throw around a lot, um, I could, this might might have changed. But I think there's something about a hundred thousand uh, hunting licenses in BC. Mm. I think. Um, mm. Don't quote me on that, but that's a number that uh, they, were, they were definitely throwing around. Yeah. At the time of like the grizzly bear, grizzly bear ban and stuff like that, a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a ton of hunters and the hunting community is super small, but there's just so many people that are that you don't even connect with as well. And you'll just bump into some dude and he'll be a total hardcore and you've never heard of him. And he's so mm-hmm. yeah. classic you, one is you, you guys probably get this, but um, when, well, my wife came home one day and she said, uh, Hey, I've made a new friend. Uh, we're going to go for dinner with him. Her husband hunts. And I'm just, I sort of always, whenever I hear that, I just like put my hand in my face. I'm like, yeah, right. I can only imagine like, this is going to be, I'd rather not go because I can only imagine what's, but uh, this, and on this one occasion I showed up and the dude actually hunted, like properly hunted. He had just returned from a stone sheep hunt and he does a lot of similar hunts to, to me. So it paid off. Mm. But a lot of the time it's like, yeah, he hunts. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I hunt one day, one day a year. 
Angie sure. went to um, a BC sheep, um, wild sheep event one time. It was maybe mm -hmm. seven years ago. So, and was that the convention in yeah, Kamloops? The, conve the convention, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. trying to remember who it is that runs it, but I used to have dialogue with them usually, and we did usually some sort of gear donation, but I haven't yeah. heard from him. I think his name was Mike, maybe. So, I'm not sure who was in charge back then, but um, yeah, yeah, that's sort of like the BC equivalent of sheep show, I guess. Yeah, do you get much, much lots of alcohol? Scale. Lots of alcohol. Yeah, they do a lot of alcohol and there's a lot of money. <laughs> I've never been, um, yeah. but a mate of mine's been and Devin, who's coming on, who, who I'm stone chief hunting mm. with, he, he's been a couple of times and yeah, he says it's a blast. Uh, but now with the, the whole COVID situation in the world, it's it's um, a bit of a standstill. Mm -hmm. I'd love to get, I'd love to, any, any sort of um, group conservation event right now is cancelled which kind of sucks because it's uh the hunting community is super important i did hear that bha is going to have a rondi um this year but i think it's going to be a little more camp out i just heard from someone yesterday but i don't know yeah. the details and i think what's if you can the going i think if you can do a a fair weather more of a camp out based sort of thing that you can have some success with it okay yeah, um, our I don't know what your your COVID restrictions and rules are down there, but up here they're they're definitely they wouldn't allow it. They wouldn't allow us to do it. Um, any any sort of organised event, I can't even. Uh, to be honest, I've sort of put the whole COVID thing back in mind. That I think you'd run yourself insane trying to like follow the stats and mm. just like I'm just looking at it like wear a mask when around people and don't lick door handles is a pretty good rule of thumb to keep yeah. myself and my family safe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but uh, one of, uh, a good mate of mine up here in BC, he's um, in the process of organizing a, a goat count um, right here in the mountains that I hunt in Chilliwack, which is going to be super cool. But there's going to be problems if we can even get that over the line with the, the COVID thing. I mean, if everybody if there's no actual formal get together or staging area, if it's just sort of like everything's done via email and everybody's given their, their trail map, essentially like, you know, mm -hmm. Kevin, you go up this trail, Dennis, you up this trail, I guess, as long as we don't get together, that would be a bit of a workaround, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I know it's been hard. I know BHA has done a, um, a good job with their kind of digital content and digital, digital meetups. You know mm -hmm. that they've been doing throughout the year, um, mm -hmm. and and yeah, I mean, I I hope they can do something, you know, in June, but time time will tell. I don't know. Yeah, I do think June's we've the, talked the about the rendezvous. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do think we're going to try I, to do yeah, some I, sort I of digital June, event. June is the proposed. Yeah. Yeah, and and we've been talking about that, Kevin. Uh, that's that's absolutely correct. We've been trying to figure out how to do a you know kind of like an expo um but just digitally with with all of our products around so people can see them you know and, and ask us questions and do all the things we used to do in person um but try to do it digitally so people you know so we can interact with everybody and show them maybe new things that are have come out or coming out or um how many how many seek outside employees we can fit in an eight-man tp you know that kind of stuff so <laughs> That doesn't sound too COVID safe. 
yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a weird world. Like the whole digital thing's just like you've got to, you've really got to just jump on board and embrace it and try and adapt because by the looks of things, the situation isn't improving anytime soon. So you'd be, you'd be mad to not try and get involved. I did, I did read an article this morning. It was on the NFL and that quite a few of the changes they made might end up kind of sticking, right? Um, mm -hmm. Some of these things, you know, we've been, I'm working from home. I believe Dennis is probably at home right now. Although mm -hmm. I can't see, it's kind of like the ghost of Dennis talking. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but that's just, you know, there's several things that you've been a force to adapt to that actually might be easier and beneficial in the long run. Agreed, hundred percent. I think the working from home thing's huge. Like, I think that's insane. I mean, you can, as a business, you can cut down on so many overheads if you don't need ten office spaces. If everyone's got a home office, like, stay at home. What do you really need to come in for? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm an electrician by trade. It's kind of hard to work from home as an electrician. But before I went out in this sort of solo venture, I was a an estimator at an electrical company, and there was really no reason for me to be in the office, and it was kind of nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, if you can do it, it makes sense, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then if we do need to get together, right, we can do it. Kevin and I can go to the park and hang out, right? <laughs> and talk about things we need to talk about or, or whatever that looks like. So Exactly. Um, cool, Chris. I don't have any, any, any other questions. I'm sure we could, uh, we could keep going forever, um, but... What, where, where can people find your stuff? Where, where can people reach out to you, um, the podcast and, and your Instagram and whatnot? Yeah, um, they can find me on Instagram, at uh, Chris Pren. There might be a dot in there. There might not. But if you just type in that Chris Pren, you'll probably find it. Or at uh, Behind the Glass Hunting on Instagram. Um, okay. And yeah, love to hear from people. Uh, love talking hunting. Love helping people if I can, if I can offer some advice. Um, and I know you've sent me a couple of contacts, Dennis, for people in BC that wanted to get a look at some Seek Outside products before mm -hmm. they bite the bullet. Um, yeah, that offer still stands even, well, maybe a little bit different now with the COVID. But uh, sure. yeah, if people wanted to see some backpacks or like talk to them with some firsthand experience, I'm definitely happy to show them off. And they're a good product. And I think they speak for themselves. Cool, man. Be careful. Be careful what you wish for. All the all our BC listeners are gonna come out of the woodwork and be like, "Where's where's that Chris Print hat?" Yeah, track I mean, you down. Yeah, Chris is gonna be like, "Holy cow! Seek outside's huge in BC." Yeah, <laughs> I had two guys call me all year. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean I do get a lot of questions about it because yeah, I, like I mean I've been using your stuff for a long time. Um, and I get I get I do get probably I probably field a question a week about it and. Yeah. I don't know. I probably don't do it justice. I just tell them that it just works. So, sure. For me, anyway. Yeah, we, we um, yeah, we we appreciate that, and um, and that was a you were using our pack too when you when you took a tumble, correct? Yeah, I blame the backpack actually. Yeah, um, my, sure. my, my phone's ringing now. Actually, it's my lawyer. I think they want to talk to one of you guys. <laughs> Rolling down a hill. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cool man. I uh, thank, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being uh, being vulnerable today. <laughs> oh man, it's all that's something someone taught me like super early. Like just to 
We may as well explain the jokes because we've been joking about it all podcast. That's um, true. Yeah, that's a good like, uh, a year, couple of years ago, I had no online presence. I had no idea about any of this stuff. And um, a, a friend of mine, Jenny, she she said, she just sort of explained to me, like, show the vulnerability. Like, don't don't act like a macho macho. Don't pretend it's... Don't pretend you're too good to feel vulnerable in these situations. And um, I've sort of adopted that. And I think uh, people can relate to it like i'm just an idiot i'm just an idiot that goes hunting and falls down mountains like i'm nothing special (laughs) well if nothing else i i enjoy watching you roll down hills and stuff so so keep doing it man keep doing it all right guys i appreciate your time uh, i'm gonna get going awesome thank you thanks chris